2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. We're going to talk to David Locke coming up here momentarily. Uh, Austin did, or actually Locke did look up an obscure stat for us today, Gordon, as we've, we've kind of trying to give him uh, an assignment to, to come on the show and talk about. It. And we'll ask him about it, but today's is, who makes the most passes out of the paint for three-point shots?
0: Hmm.
2: All right. Because, of course, breaking the paint to get open shots is a big deal in in today's uh, NBA, if you hadn't noticed.
0: Yeah, right. And, uh, you know, if you're going to pass, if the ball goes into the paint, there are some players where it never comes back out. Right? The Al Jefferson effect? (laughs) Just one example of many. Yeah, Kevin McHale comes to mind.
2: Who else was – I mean, Shaq was – a
0: black hole, right? Yeah, yeah.
2: Was was the dream? Would you would you consider Hakeem a black hole?
0: Well, he was so mesmerizing, all the things he was doing in there. I lost track because uh, they're like, I mean, I guess it was traveling. You know, the dream I shake mean, uh, I, when he said that it wasn't, and that the Utah Jazz fans thought it was traveling because they were used to a a simpler game, a simpler brand of basketball, not his sophisticated ways uh down low. I I thought, no, that's pretty much traveling.
2: You remember our friend Robert Lund's song back in the day? His walk oh, yeah. Walk Like a Nigerian?
0: Yeah, guess whose idea that
2: was? Not yours. It was, yep. <laughs> uh, oh come I, on, let's get Robert on the horn. That can't be true.
0: No, it is true. I I passed that along to him. Did you get a writing credit? I didn't write it. I just said, uh, well, this is what I said. When when he was dancing in the lane, I said uh, one day we threw out to our listeners, what song is in his head that he's dancing to? And we came up with walk like an egyptian and we changed it to walk like a nigerian
2: Hmm. so much like that steve carell movie uh, robert lund is now ripping you off (laughs)
0: uh (laughs) no he didn't rip me off it was it was a team project and the guy that made the the donovan mitchell t-shirts right
2: oh yeah that's right I'll tell you what, Gordon, you need to get yourself a, an attorney. I know one. Yeah, I know one, too. Let's make some money. Let's make some money. No,
0: because, look, it's a group project. It's everybody working together. Who, you know, <laughs> you know, It's amazing how much can get done when nobody cares who gets the credit for it. Uh, I'll tell you that, that fox catcher wants- made
2: a lot of dough. Let's let's go over
0: that. Bus. I'm telling you right now that I mean, truth be wherever it is, that was my story. I mean, what what are we doing?
2: That. We got to get an attorney. Let's make this happen. Let's get the uh, let's get the lawsuit cranking. Let's make some money, Gordo.
0: I'll find the, the original story I wrote, and I'll let you. Did you see the movie? I did. Okay, I'll, I'll get you. I'll get you a copy of what I wrote. You tell me whether you thought that was uh, remarkably uh, parallel. Let's get out to the
2: Sprint special guest line, lease any phone, and get an iPad or a Samsung Tab A for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. He is the radio voice of the Utah Jazz and our good friend, the one and only David Locke. Locke, what is happening? How are you? Everything good? Everyone healthy?
3: Everyone is healthy. Uh, I think everyone is good. Um, so, yeah, I mean, we've gotten up a we've, – uh, we've all gone to doing a little – Only getting outside and trying to, you know, social distance outside, but at least feel the air, and that's been helpful, I think.
0: So, David, let me ask you this. We were just talking about uh, the good old days when uh, Akeem Elijah was doing his fancy footwork down low. (laughs) uh was that in cuz cuz he said when the jazz fans were complaining that he was traveling in those memorable series back in the day he said that jazz fans were used to a more a simpler brand of basketball with Stockton alone and that his game was more sophisticated so my question to you is
3: i don't remember it, that did he really it? say that that's,
0: that's kind of a dagger quote i don't remember yeah. Keen saying that yeah he did say that and uh, so my question is was it traveling
3: uh, I don't think so. At least I didn't call it, so it certainly wasn't.
2: <laughs> well, the the whole reason that that came out uh, came up actually, David. We were talking about the assignment that you dug into this week. People passing from <laughs> my the
3: paint di- my to disaster. threes, and uh, <laughs> it's it' has been like. Can I just share with you? Yeah, I needed it. Like I totally did it therapeutically for myself because I needed a task. I didn't really realize it was gonna be two o'clock in the morning every night. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't quite realize that I was gonna be back I'm like I might feel totally normal though. I'm back like two o'clock to seven. I'm back on my five hour sleep. I'm a little groggy. I've got to have extra caffeine during the day, like I kind of feel like it's back to like normal. Like this is like this whole eight, nine hour sleep stuff, that was totally not acceptable. Um, but yeah, no, I um Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. But yeah, it's become like, and it was great and super fun. Like I talked to a lot of people, and that ninety-one, ninety-two season to me has kind of got a special place in my heart, just because it was the last year I was a fan. Um, but I did not quite realize that it was going to be, and you know, and actually, if anybody wants to go listen to it, that'd be great. Because frankly, it's not being really that. Not very many people are listening to it. So if anyone wants to listen to it, that'd be really <laughs> make me feel good. It's it's two o'clock in the morning with very low numbers right now. Well, let's let's dig into it a little bit, David. What'd you find out?
2: Who who's best at passing out of the paint?
3: Um, oh, that. Oh, I thought you were talking about something else. But anyway, uh, best. So the the numbers I worked on for you were because we joked last week of like who could be the best thing. So um, the, I thought this was interesting. I was surprised. The players who've passed out of the paint to the most three point shots in the league. Um, Demar Derozan has assisted 87 three-point shots this year, which is the most out of the paint of any player in the league. Hmm. Wow. He's thrown the most passes out of the paint as well that led to, to three uh, out of the paint to two, three outside the three-point lane. He's thrown the most passes that led to a three-point shot by a large margin. I was stunned. So he's thrown almost 50 more, 52 more passes than the next guy that led to a three-point shot in the league. So it's interesting because I've always been one who kind of criticizes DeMar DeRozan's mid-range play, but if he's single-handedly creating, you know, 50 more threes than, than Russell Westbrook has and 16 more actual made baskets, then maybe there's some value there that we, that, you know, we should think about.
0: Do you have, David, uh, a list of the actual big men
3: who were most proficient in that regard? Well, we don't have big men anymore. Um, (laughs) So it's interesting. The old idea that you post up like Carl Malone in the post and he throws out to a three-point shooter because nobody posts up doesn't really exist. Of the guys who've thrown... You know, a hundred or more passes, so that would be about the top 60 of them. I think there's only two big guys in the entire list. Um, One of them is Andre Drummond, I believe. And the other is Demata Sabonis. But I might actually, even Andre Drummond might not have 100 of them. So um, there are really no big guys anymore. You you cannot, you don't create threes anymore off the old school down to Carl Malone kick out to the three-point shooter. Sabonis. is unique. Sabonis is the big guy that creates... Oh, and, and Jokic. Sorry, I forgot about Jokic. Jokic is near the top of the list. I just didn't think about him as a big guy. Um, Jokic is in the top ten in the league of creating three-point shots for his on passes from the paint to his teammates.
0: So, David, if what you just said is true, how does that affect rebounding in the
3: league? Hmm... What's your thought? I don't have one. I don't have an initial reaction to that question. That's why you got the hum. Yeah, I don't
0: thought? know. Yeah, you know, I wasn't asking it rhetorically. I really don't know because if you're gonna if you're going to shrink the game down, the size of the players a little bit, and, and stress other abilities, I wonder if rebounding will will suffer in that regard. Of course, if you're taking more three point shots, I imagine you'll you'll have more rebounds that are longer rebounds. But uh, yeah, I, I don't mm. know. What that spells out for the future, as far as the importance of rebounding?
3: I don't know, but I've been watching a lot of the jazz and '92 playoff run and some of those regulation games that are up on YouTube, and the crashing of the offensive boards in that era, in contrast to today, is just incredible. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were sending three guys to the board hard every time, partially because the, partially because the, everybody was inside. 10, 15 feet when the shot was taken, right? Because they weren't taking – I mean, the Jazz were taking like four or five threes a game. That was almost 30 years ago. And so I think the three-point – amount of three-point shots is having a bigger impact on rebounding. But because the floor is spaced, and in more cases than not, your four is outside the three-point line, there just aren't players there to do offensive rebounding.
0: Aren't the – go ahead. I'm sorry, David. Aren't Jazz players coached not to crash the board?
3: Um, it depends who you are in the circumstance, but generally transition defense is thought of as a more important thing than an offensive rebound would probably be the right way to say that. Yeah. Here's an interesting one to me when we looked up this idea of guys who pass the ball from the paint to three-point shooters. They're all they're, – none of them are per se big guys, right? But they're all big. So DeRozan, Westbrook, LeBron, Simmons – as Doncic, Butler, Booker, Jokic, Fred Van Vliet, and Ish Smith are the only guards that are kind of in the, um, that, that you were they're in the kind of top 12 group. Then you get into Damian and Chris Paul and Drew Holiday and some of those guys. Um, but it's, you know, the, that Giannis, LeBron, big guy, Luca, Jimmy Butler, big guy drive, strong enough to see strong enough to hold their area and sh- uh, see over the top. It's pretty impressive.
2: David Locke is with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Switching gears just a moment, David. We do have some uh, some somewhat breaking news here from Adrian Wojnarowski, who says Denver's Arturus uh, Karnasovas has uh, completed a second lengthy interview with the Bulls late this afternoon, which included both owner Jerry Reinsdorf and COO Michael Reinsdorf. He is the clear frontrunner for the franchise's process to hire a new top basketball executive. Of course, Justin Zanuck interviewed for that job earlier this week. Your thoughts on... I guess how this is playing out with the Bulls and Justin's uh, candidacy.
3: Well, if I don't know much, uh, I know people who know um, the Denver GM you were just talking about. Um, I don't. I think I've met him once or twice, maybe three times, but you know, I wouldn't say I know him. Um, but I would say that if he out, inter- you know, if he interviewed, and Justin Zanuck would be one of the best interviewers or interviewees I've ever could think of in a job circumstance like if i was going for a job and i could get somebody to masquerade as me and interview for me i think i would take justin zanuck um so this guy's got to be really impressive because justin's got a great resume and he is completely prepared to do that job and i can only imagine he interviewed brilliantly um because of that's you know, because that's who he is. Um, and so if this guy is the clear front frontrunner, uh, he's got to be really remarkable because Justin is.
0: David, I've asked you uh, versions of this question well, in, in different contexts, but let me go ahead and fire away now. Of all the studies of statistics that you've done through the years, what what's one or two that just kind of blew your mind a little bit that that you saw something that you did not expect to see?
3: Well, I mean, I have an offensive metric that's probably somewhat flawed, but I really still kind of love it called points gained, um, and it was back and I built it. A long, long time ago, but I really built it the year that the Atlanta Hawks were winning 60 games and Kyle Corver was shooting like 45% from three. And my eyeballs could just tell me that Kyle Corver was having a much larger impact on the game than, than we would think for someone averaging kind of 13 points and hitting three or four threes. And, and, and there was, there was something going on there. And, uh, Actually, Ron Boone was a great help with me on the plane on it one day, and we, we kind of were fiddling with it, and I was trying to figure out what it meant. And finally, I just got it down to this concept that if, if you know, Kyle Korver's using seven offensive possessions, and those seven offensive possessions, he's scoring 15 points, and the average player in the league would only score nine, then he's suddenly making you six points better. That's an exaggeration. Nobody's ever been that dominant in a season. But that's how I started to look at offensive players. Now, there's certain players where you, if you have a team that doesn't have a primary option, you need somebody to be able to go, you know, put up 22 shots a night, and there's some value to that. And you might accept somebody um, who's taking 22 shots to be a little less efficient than you would other players. But what I really learned from this is that, you know, if you can be above average, that is um, incredibly important. If you can build a roster of offensive players that are all above average, you have a championship caliber offense. That's actually exactly what the Jazz have done this year. When Mike Conley gets back in line, he's right there. Donovan's not quite average yet, but he's getting closer every every kind of step he takes in his development. Um, so that project, which led to points gained, um, and then it's been a really interesting way to go back and look at offensive seasons. So then year after Kyle Corver's year, I think, is the year Steph went bananas. And, you know, it's just been hard, I think, to understand the value of the three and what it, what it means. And so I think that really helped me out uh, doing that. And since it has, you know, if I were to share with you now, um, sorry, long answer, probably with limited time. Um, but I don't get to talk about basketball very much anymore. So now you opened up Pandora's box and I'm never going to shut up um, is what's really interesting this year is there's almost the the rankings come out that there's certain types of players that are ranked unusually high. So Duncan Robinson comes out on my rating system as the seventh most impactful offensive player in the league. Huh? Well, you know what? He's taking 78% of his shots as threes. He's making 45 of them. So even though he's only using 10 scoring opportunities a night, he's scoring points more than a bunch of average players would with those 10 possessions. It's a really high rate. Um, The other one that jumps out is that Rudy Gobert, Mitchell Robinson, and Rashawn Holmes, of all crazy players, and Hassan Whiteside, come out very impactful offensively. Well, they can all dunk. And in a day and age where they're taking away the rim from players, there's fewer and fewer bigs who can actually get on top of a defense and dunk. And they are becoming more and more important. So, the Duncan Robinsons, the uh, Davis Bertans of the world, uh, are the Rudy, which is one side, which is the, the high volume three point shooters. Um, Boyan Bogdanovic is pretty close to fitting into that, though he's at thirty eight percent of his threes, not seventy eight percent, but he, he definitely you know peaks out on that. Um, Danilo Gallinari is probably more valuable than people realize because of this. And that Oklahoma City's winning, and the flip side is the guys who can dunk. The Rudys, the Mitchell Robinsons, these guys who can get on top of the rim are actually way more valuable than people realize.
2: Quick question for me, David. I I remember one of the legacies after the 1999 NBA lockout was Sean Kemp coming back uh, at about, what would you say, 350 pounds? Uh, Maybe (laughs) exaggerating a little bit there. How many Sean Kemp's are we going to see after this is all said and done and we get back to playing basketball?
3: I don't know on that because I think this era of athletes is really, really diligent um, on the, and they haven't, you know, on the other end, um, they don't have access to all of their things that they need to. So that would lead you to believe that they could have more problems. And then on the flip side is they also don't have anything else to do. So, um, you know, I mean, the Sean Kemp was either a booze or a food problem, right? Um, As time would go on, that would, you know, depending on the time. Um and so I don't think our guys have that and I think, you know, a lot of them have chefs when they take cooking really seriously and they're just much more educated and the teams are doing a really good job of sending out information and giving them recipes and doing all those things. So I I'd be surprised. What what I am interested in, you know, is if you're the if you you know, they're all I think they're actually really professional, so I don't think this is gonna happen but you know, if you play for the Atlanta Hawks or the New York Knicks or the Minnesota Timberwolves, like, you're not really coming back to much. So I think it's hard to probably get in your extra set that day, right? Whereas I think some of the other guys, you know, they, if, they, if we come back, they've got a playoff run. They're probably being a little bit more diligent.
0: David, a defensive question for you, it's uh, it's this. Back in the day when, uh, when Jerry was coaching the team and, and Carl was playing and others, it seems like the Jazz – led the league or were near the top of the league, and fouls committed uh, each year. And Quinn seems to have a different defensive philosophy. He wants guys to play hard, uh, tough defense, but but not to foul. Uh, which of those two approaches uh, do you prefer?
3: Statistically, one of the keys to, to not fouling, uh, let me rephrase that, statistically analysis has been done that one of the keys to winning on the road is not fouling. And if you go back through the era of the jazz, uh, under Jerry, the big question until they got Jeff Hornacek is could they win on the road? Like I'm reviewing the 91 92 season, and this is the ongoing discussion the whole year of whether or not this team can win on the road. They end up 37 and four, I think in the debut year of the Delta center at home, and then the feeling on that is actually that high foul teams get the benefit of the doubt at home, and so they're actually better home teams. So it kind of goes back and forth. And if you look at the Quinn Snyder era, that actually would probably be true. We've been a little bit better on the road than past Jazz teams, and at times not as good at home as some past Jazz teams. So um, the foul, there is supposed — statistically it has been found, that there is a correlation between your foul rate and your ability to win on the road.
2: David Locke with us here on 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. David, we always appreciate it. Thank you, as always, for jumping on with us. When do I get to, like, do an hour?
3: Uh, whenever you want, man. We've, we've got four hours to fill these days. Well, let's do it. Well, I know. I've noticed that you guys have all extended out a little bit. And um, Last time, let me check my NBA schedule. Oh, I'm free. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's do a little on-air programming here. Uh,
2: looking over the glass at Austin, let's plan on this next week. You want to do it next Wednesday? You want to jump on with sure. us for an hour?
3: Yeah, I'm not coming I'm not coming in. Well yeah but, yeah. You know yeah. Well, we'll I'm, just, I'm I'm not allowed to come in. I'm ban- I'm banished to my county. I'm not allowed to come see you. <laughs> uh, no actually can I do yeah, yeah, that's why we right? don't want
1: do you that. coming in. That's why. Yeah. Right.
3: Yeah. But I you know, I could hook you in on a some sort of level or something. I've probably got some old equipment around here. I might be able to do something, that sounds all right.
2: Well let's let's look into that and let's plan on next Wednesday, the whole five o'clock hour, we're hanging
3: out with David Locke. All right, sounds good. I look forward to it.
0: All right, but and, and David, David, if you do that, I want to hear—and not, not saying you don't do it anymore—but I want to hear that old David Locke attitude that used to come in and just blow people away with all kinds of interesting, sometimes contrarian stuff. I can't wait for that.
3: So, um, you guys opened the show talking about lawyers, right? Right. So I would try to avoid. I'm trying to avoid having lawyers in my life. Okay.
2: <laughs> okay, that's good. That's probably good. So, so we'll 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 have an edge, but not too much of an edge. Not
1: '90s right, so,
3: David Locke edge. Yeah. So that era of David Locke probably went away. <laughs> Let's see if we can bring him back a little bit, huh? Uh, I don't you know what the real reason that it's gone away at this point? I don't know enough. Like I'm always amazed now listening to you guys. How do you know everything? I like I can talk about the NBA. i, I don't like a bona fide idiot if I talk about anything else. We gotta be careful about what you ask me. I'm just gonna start asking you questions.
0: I'll tell you I'll tell you something right now, I'll give you an example. And David, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I remember this from way back in the day when you brought up a topic that said Even in in the years when BYU fans used to look at BYU's uh, schedule and see that they had some wins against uh, uh, premier programs around the country, that typically when they had victories, those were the years when those premier programs were down. And and you had it statistically uh, researched, and I heard that, and I thought, here we go, and I think the phones blew up when you came up with that stuff you mean barometer
3: Which, university
0: you remember you, that <laughs> i do remember that barometer you, university
3: that's what i used and to call by you
0: i was right could, too by the way you could back it up you could back it up with what your what you had researched so uh, that's what i'm talking about david that right there
3: let's hear more of that you're not gonna uh, so barometer university and then you now bring this up and then like, so, I mean, my approval rating is probably like 32% to start. Now it's like 21%. Like, this is not good for me. Never mind. We're not doing an hour next week.
2: You already committed to it, David. It's on the books. An hour next week. I quit. I'm out.
3: <laughs> I committed for four minutes. So, yeah. so David, one, Thanks, other quick qu-
0: one other quick oh, question yeah. for you. Whatever happened to the sports babe?
3: I think Nancy passed, but I don't... Did yeah, I think she was having some really big health problems. Maybe no, maybe I'm not. Sorry, yeah. I, you know what? No, um, Nancy Donaldson, right? Um, yeah. You know, I got to know her a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm sure she, if she's alive, she's got a podcast because everyone has that, right? Um, but I don't, I don't... No, she... Well... Um... I don't know.
0: I, that when you said that, that sounded like uh, it rang true, but I'm not. You know,
3: I'm looking. Sure. Um, so it's interesting. Nancy Donelan is her name, and it almost feels as though she's kind of just retired and gone away to get away. You know, she was at KJR in Seattle. Like, so, like, when I went to Seattle, she, like, that's how I got to know her a little bit is because when I was in Seattle, she was kind of um, legendary around that. No, I mean, that's interesting. I just Google searched her, and there's not a lot that comes up. So it feels as though she may have just kind of stepped out of the limelight and disappeared a little bit, but it doesn't have anything, like, on her Wikipedia or anything that says that she passed. I know she was having some health problems at one point in time um, and had to deal with those. And and then she came back to broadcasting in like 06, 07. Um, uh, I, I just found something. So she had a stroke in 2012. So that's oh, in my decent. memory. Oh. Um, but she seems to be alive because in 2018, um, she was inducted into the National Radio Hall of Fame. That's the last note on any of her Wikipedia. Now I don't want to be Joe Buck and get Wikipedia here, but um, it does seem as though that seems all right. I guess. I do. I,
0: I just remember the poor boy on the payphone and the rich guy on the on the,
3: the cell phone. Oh, she was stuff. she was way ahead of her time. She was super creative and and really pretty astronomical to be a woman in the sports. Uh, talk field and to be as successful as she was in 1994, right? Like, I mean, that's a pretty incredible concept to, I mean, I think she might have been the first nationally syndicated ESPN radio show. Hmm. That's pretty incredible if that's true. You know, Jake, on on a programming end, the other one, the one I've always wanted to do is a history of sports radio. But yeah. maybe we should, like, take a week and just do it live. We'll do it live. <laughs> right, we got time. We do have time. Like, um, I mean, how would we do it? We'd have to go back and, like, so Clowkey, I mean, Blackwell and Tunis were the legends who kind of created it all past. We'd have to have someone tell us about that era. Booner was, and Clowkey would have some of that. And then we get into the sports radio era. And I actually ran into Chris Devine, who owned 106.5 The Score's son recently, so we could probably track down Chris Devine, and he could tell stories about Barry King.
2: I was going to say, where's
3: Barry <laughs> King? We got to get gotta track down Barry. <sighs> uh, um, I don't know. if I'm not sure on his situation either. Actually, we're getting old, and then we could build, and then someone, and then I could take over for a little while, but then I've got to step away, and then. And then there's the Jeff Reinert and the John Lund and the Ian Furness era. And then there's the Jake Scott. Oh, Kevin Graham would have to be a large part of this. That's... The Kevin, That's And then there's Kevin Graham living in Jake Scott's basement. That did happen. Come on. There is like great. <laughs> the question is, would we all tell the truth for a few days? No.
2: No. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. I can't speak would you, for you. Would
3: you bring the problem with telling the truth? would be that culture has changed since we start, stopped, started sports radio. So, like, some of the things we all might have done, or at least me, um, would be things I would be really embarrassed about now that seemed reasonable then.
2: Now that you mention yeah. it, there's a segment that Gordon's dying to bring back that's never coming back.
3: There's all sorts of segments that we're not bringing back. And there's, like, my whole, like, maniacal slogan was use every second and i was like crazy about it i think it would be classified as abuse now mm-hmm. well good idea well, I like bring, the,
0: bring the discussion full circle getting back to what you said about not involving lawyers we probably would uh, run into the right. we started recycling right. that old stuff
3: Correct. and you know when you threw one of those plastic carts as hard as you could against the wall. They shattered beautifully. <laughs> David oh, you- I could tell you a
0: story about when John Lund, I think, was behind the glass, wasn't he? Uh, it was Michael Yount.
3: I think it was Michael Yount, Michael- yeah, who's still in town, and I still think is just one of the nicest people I've ever met in my life, and every time I see him, I'm a little embarrassed.
2: <laughs> <laughs> David, thank you. Look forward to an hour next week, seriously. All right, see you guys. See you, buddy. See you. The great David Locke with us here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Way over, we'll have our Drops of the Day coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.
1: I'm here to introduce the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about from the guys you know and trust. Go chat! Tony You're listening to the big show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. Yeah, yeah. On 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. She packed my bags
3: last night. We fly.
1: 0
2: Joe, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone Time for Drops of the Day. Uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it, Gordon, because we're running a little bit behind. And I, I think uh, we've got a little theme today. We kind of put our heads together for once, and we decided on uh, a, a little theme for d- uh, Drops of the
0: Day. We're going to go with a golf theme, Gordo. And let's let's start with you today. All right. Well, if we're going to do golf, then we have to include the uh the misfortune uh the unfortunate uh situation for one kevin nah i mean
4: there's nothing you got nothing let's go back to the tee pick it up right yeah you always hate to hear those words and this was what happened back at the tee he might be right back in the same spot Headed right. Oh, my goodness. Man, a lot. <laughs> Oof. I mean, it's 50-50, huh? Yeah. What are the chances of me getting out of here? Oh, 50-50. He's going to go for it.
2: Dude, I didn't First see it. Back. I heard it. I felt it. Probably.
4: Oh, man. This is getting worse. My
2: inner. I don't know if that was a branch that came up or if that was a ball.
4: Well, that'll be a penalty shot it? if it hit him. No. no I don't... Oof. We could be here a while sorting this out. Appears that the ball did strike. You. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. He heard that. That I was right. So you. So it looks like you've got one for that. So can that I call another there? So you know, so you, from that point there, you've got. I can. Okay, just give me another ball. Right. You can hear the frustration in in his voice now. Watch out. Oh, man, he is playing quick too. He is obviously the got the head spinning going on right now. We think that was his seventh shot. My goodness! I, I, that he, we're going to have to try to figure this out. I, I don't. I, that one pass. I'm not sure if he whipped the ball. Then he hit it another uh, quick again. It's he wants to get out. We're of We're going to have to figure this out. I'm not even sure what stroke he's playing we think that that was 11 oh, yeah Come on. and further back in the stuff finally oh my goodness with his 12th shot we think and he gets a round of applause for that let's hear what Kevin I had to say I have no idea what you have I don't know how are we going to count all the shots I have no idea you, I, I can't keep track Well, they got it on tape, so they're just going to have to go back and count it. What's this, his 13th shot? Yeah, we think. Trying to get sticks. He's got thorns stuck in him. He's probably got all kinds of tears in that shirt. Well, he's smiling about it anyway. Caddy's not. I don't know what he can say. I mean, he just really didn't think that through. This is roughly his 15th shot. But that's unofficial. We'll have to uh, tally that.
2: Unbelievable! <laughs> it just sounds like he's, he's the, that it would be play by play for any of us, right? A man alive? How's he get Austin out at Bonnie? <laughs> how's he gonna get out of that? <laughs> well, he didn't even hit the ball on that
0: swipe. <laughs> so, what is? How do you tally all that up? And, and, and if the player himself doesn't know what his score is. Is that disqualification?
2: Uh, well, just they, put down a ten and move on. You hear? You heard the TV make the ruling on if it hit him or not. I'm sure they can help him count his his
0: score. That's what they. So said he they can were can do. they go back and review the tape before he signs his card? They'd have to, I think. Yeah.
2: Well, and at that and then, point, he's not winning anything, so it doesn't matter, right? He's out of it. <laughs> he's out. <laughs> All right, we have to hurry because we're behind. Let's get on okay. to uh, to mine and Austin's. Let's start with mine. Of course, uh, Jim Furyk lines up for a putt and a local broadcast uh, interrupts it, and it's the championship-winning putt. Here you go. Your tummies a
1: All
4: right, Peter, He hold a number of these today. Well, a few of you are going to have nine birdies in one round. Can you get this one? Well, this, I think he knows what this one will do. It's not very much in the way of break. This is all about...
3: All right, welcome back to our coverage of the weather event we had here throughout the afternoon hours. We're going to give you a quick look at what's going on. I want to tell you right now, all the tornado watches we have for our viewing area have now been canceled. Even that flash flood watch is canceled. So we don't have any
1: advisories, any warnings, or any watches in effect for the region. The heavier- <laughs> We're so let me interrupt this
2: broadcast to tell you nothing is going on. Nothing. Uh, and the, nothing. Ball, the ball was rolling in, man. The ball is rolling. It just struck it. Break right in. Breaking news! Breaking weather news! Everything is fine.
1: Everything is fine. (laughs) Here's Tom on the porch, Tom.
2: (laughs) It's sunny! Uh, Unbelievable. Oh my gosh, that is so funny. All right, Austin, you're
1: up, sir. Mine is, uh, someone did this on Twitter a couple years ago. He switched uh, the play-by-play for soccer and golf. Cristiano Ronaldo, with a shot to get back to even, really has a chance to sink this one. It should go a bit right to left. But he's got a good look at it. We'll need the ball back in his stance just a bit. Solid contact. And he sinks it.
3: Really nice stroke.
1: Tigers found an opening
3: on 12. He needs this four foot butt for par.
1: All he needs to do is take it. As-
2: it's <laughs> a lot a little different sport by sport a little a little different I'd watch there. golf if it was like that I'll yeah. tell you Hey today was a fun daily drop segment that was good That's what do we Do you needed. think
0: they should do you think they should allow the gallery to uh, cheer and boo and in, yes. uh, in the middle of uh, golf swing
1: I say release live bears on the freeway, fairway fairway <laughs>
2: Oh, uh, I don't. I don't think about the the play. You know, you should be. That's the sport. You should be quiet, respectful of the athlete or whatnot. But I do think they take it to a new level when you know Tiger threatens to have somebody disappeared for taking a picture in his backswing.
0: Is it the waste? Is it the waste management uh, open down there in Phoenix? Yeah, where that, it's uh, rowdy. It gets real
2: rowdy. That's its reputation anyway. All right, we'll have more big show coming up next. Stay tuned, 97.5 and twelve eighty of the zone.
1: Utah's most listened-to sports radio afternoon show. This is The Big Show. With Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Sponsored by Mountain America Credit Union. Guiding members forward for over 80 years. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I no more of your darkness. all my pictures
2: seem to fade to black uh, white. I love this job. Big show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 of The Zone. Had a good day today, Gordon. How you feeling?
0: I'm feeling fine. How are you?
2: I'm good. I'm good. A good drops of the day segment. Kind of fun to have David on. It was good. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Looking forward to an hour of that next week, huh? <laughs> David's going to join us for an hour next Wednesday. <laughs> it just took a really negative, abrupt turn.
0: That's yeah, all. It, Maybe it, the it worst was, it's uh, ever gone. Yeah. It wasn't so abrupt. <laughs> I mean, it was, a, it was a deep, slow slide.
2: No, it was not. I was wrapping up the interview, and all of a sudden, it was like, "Hey, one more thing! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Roll call." We didn't even ask him about the T-shirt to the to the noggin. Oh, we. He forgot doesn't about... like that story. No,
2: he doesn't like that story. So we should uh, make a note and let's ambush him with it next week when he joins. Every us rejoin next week. Every rejoin the the T-shirt cannon bit. That's a mistake. Does he really not like that? It's not his
0: fault. I don't think it's his
4: favorite. I, I play it up that he hates okay, it. Okay,
0: all right. Yeah, I mean— it's Maybe not, we yeah. should play that to end the show—in the segment uh, oh. today, uh, you know, somewhere along between now and the end. Daily
2: drops return. Uh, all right, well, we're running short on time anyway, so we'll let Austin line that up. We'll have uh, more Big Show coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned. In the meantime, <laughs> here's our boy Locke.
3: Nine full time out now. One fifty-seven left. I didn't get to see the replay on that. We'll try to see if we can get it. When we come back. Jazz by nine. One fifty-seven left in the set. Oh my God. jazz blast is be quite something if someone's listening to the radio thank goodness we got halftime here in a second i'm gonna need it so for those of you i don't i apologize i have no idea if i said anything or anything at all but they shoot t-shirts out of the gun here in the building and and i got hit by one i'm sorry i'm really kind of out of it right now
2: Wrap it up a big show, Jake Scott, Gordon Monson, right here on ninety seven five and twelve eighty, the zone. And uh, I'll tell you what, Gordo, it's good to do the show with you, man. It's it, you know what, I truly value our time together. Hopefully, our listeners are having a good time because it, it really it's puts a smile on my face and gives us all a little bit of a break from tough times. Well, you know, uh, unique times. Let's just put it that way.
0: Yeah, and uh, it, we've had a, we've had a lot of laughs, had a lot of good memories today. And uh, laughed at a forward. lot of
2: inappropriate things.
0: Well, well, I, well, there's been a little bit of that, but uh, but fun nonetheless, and hopefully informative and entertaining.
2: All right, you've been watching movies every night. What do you got tonight? What's uh, what's I don't, you, I don't know.
0: You? Oh, wait. Know. You were supposed to pick last night. What did you end up picking? I ended up picking uh, True Lies. Oh. Uh, wow, which, that was uh, that's a far cry get, from Casablanca. Give us a minute or yeah. less review of True Lies, please. Uh, what I liked about it is it's got all the action of an Arnold Schwarzenegger type of film, but it's got the good sense of humor, making fun of itself, not taking itself too seriously. And... uh Jamie Lee Curtis uh, in that uh, in that memorable scene in the hotel room uh, when Arnold had the tape recorder going. And that was uh, that was a lot of fun. <sighs> but I have never uh, thought it was a good idea to jump from a crane atop a building onto a jet. Uh, I, I don't think that seems like a very good idea. I'm both pleased and sorry that I asked. Actually, Yeah, so. me too.
2: <laughs> yeah, How to wait. How did you just describe Jamie Lee Curtis scene? Uh, That scene in the hotel room?
0: Memorable. Yeah, not a surprise
2: that God mentioned. Uh, Austin, here's a little riddle for you. What do uh, Gordon Monson and Tom Arnold have in common? Oh, I don't know, Jake. What do they have in common? They both, at one point in their lives, had a big old crush on Roseanne. Uh, Oh, really? Is that this time?
0: (laughs) You still got a thing for Rosie there, uh, Gordo? I don't think I ever did, but... uh Apparently, well, Tom was married to her. Don't know uh, how how deep the uh, the love was for that particular uh, couple.
2: You mean Utah's own Roseanne? Yeah, it broke your heart a little bit when she got married, didn't it, Gordo? Which time? <laughs> has she been married a bunch? I don't know. Like I, Seventeen, really? 20.
0: Tom Arnold's the uh, only one she? I know. Hmm. Well, Tom was pretty funny in True Lies. At least I'll give him that.
2: Wow. Yeah. I mean, you were going in Casablanca and came out True Lies
0: yeah we're looking for something that was a little lighter uh but uh I still want my family to see Casablanca and some of my kids have not still not seen The Wizard of Oz, so that's something that needs to get done. Who's picking the it? Wizard of Oz The Wizard of Oz classic as it is is just plain weird. Can we come out and say that? Why weird? It was weird There's lots of stuff that's weird. It, what do you mean it, I it's, it's, freaking it's weird.
2: weird that you'd obsess
0: about Jamie Lee Curtis's scene in True Lies. Obsess is such a strong word. All I said is it was memorable. I didn't say I was obsessing over it. Yeah, you went to Chester on, oh, memorable. No, I I just think that that's probably something a lot of people would like, a lot of guys would like to see their wives uh, maybe uh, dance like that. Thanks to everybody who
2: listened today. We'll talk to you tomorrow, (laughs) we hope, on a big show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.